Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our... (laughs) 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 I was even going to ignore you and keep going. But then you know when the other person's silent laughing? You can just tell. (laughs) Yes, I totally know that. I'm covering my face, so there's like no Okay. That will help because I can see you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 52. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about survival mode. Okay, take a deep breath. Christmas is nigh and you've got this. Except, what if you don't? Enter the Modern Ladies Holiday Survival Guide. There comes a point where we all recognize within ourselves that we are maxed out. This is normal, what with all the festing and feasting in our near futures. But when that survival mode vibe hits, do you have a plan at the ready? We are here to help. But first, if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a rating or review for the Modern Lady Podcast on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. We would also love it if you shared this episode with your friends. Michelle and I love receiving your feedback and reading your comments. This week's shout out goes to Miss T Divine, who left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and said, quote, great listening to these lovely ladies. They've inspired and motivated me to keep trying to do better for my family and to be a better wife, mom, and lady in our community. Love all the tips. Thank you both and keep up the great work. End quote. Thanks so much for your comment and your review, Miss T. Divine. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Today's Tip of the Week is one that I wish I didn't have to talk about, but being the wife of a police officer, I know how important it is to share the message that drinking and driving is a deadly combination. Mad Canada has a downloadable chart on their website that shows blood alcohol content broken down by the number of drinks per hour for both women and men. The truth is, a woman of average weight, and I'm just going to throw out here average weight being 145 to 175, nobody take offense of that, including me, Um, but the woman of average weight can potentially blow on the breathalyzer in the um, warning range, having just had three drinks over a two-hour period. I don't know about you, but if I'm out with friends, having three drinks in a two-hour period isn't out of the question at all. So how do we, as good hostesses, limit alcohol consumption at our parties without making our guests feel awkward? Here are a few tips. Number one, put the alcohol out of the way. Don't leave it on the dining table or easily accessible. If someone wants a drink, go ahead and mix it for them in another room. Have plenty of non-alcoholic options out on the table. Number two, use small cups. Number three, stop serving alcohol one to two hours before the party ends. Number four, avoid salty snacks. Number five, be ready to help guests get home and to pay for their taxi or Uber. And number six, be ready to have guests sleep over. The thing that is most upsetting about these deaths, these deaths due to impaired driving, 
is that they are 100% preventable. We want our guests to enjoy a memorable evening at our house, but we want it to be memorable in a good way and not for something tragic. This is actually a really good consideration if you're hosting, right? Often mm-hmm. the the tips for hosting happen before the party begins or even as people are coming in, you're, you know, the tips revolve around starting conversations, offering people um, a snack or a drink as they walk into the party. Yeah. But by the end of the night, I don't know about you, but like by the end of the night, if I'm hosting something, mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of off. Like I switch off at a certain oh, point. Oh, totally. Yeah. You've right? totally relaxed, right? Once everything's mm-hmm. gotten into the swing of things. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is a really good reminder as we're heading into the holiday season that your hostessing duties um, actually cover the entire evening until the last guest safely leaves the party. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, again, we want everybody to have fun. We love serving the cocktails. You know, we want to keep people's glasses topped up. But I love the idea of not having the alcohol on the table. That's something I hadn't considered because we always have wine bottles all down the table, right? Mm -hmm. But it just makes for that kind of mindless drinking. We're not even realizing it. And as the host or hostess, you really can't keep an eye on all of that happening at the table. So just, yeah, having it in the kitchen and going, oh, I'll go get you another glass of wine. And and you're absolutely right. Our hostessing doesn't just stop once the meal has been served and we're sitting down. So to to maybe limit your own alcohol that night too so you can keep an eye on everybody else. So after decking the halls, making merry, roasting chestnuts on an open fire, what have you, uh, it makes a girl want to batten down the hatches and slip comfortably into survival mode. But we actually have this new perspective on survival mode that may be of interest to you all, right, Lindsay? Yeah, I kind of had a eureka moment and it was actually in the bathtub, like the original eureka moment. Um, (laughs) You're so historically correct. Always, always. If there's one thing to know about me. Um, So I'm in there and and I never have baths and um, I was having one and then I was like, I realized it dawned on me. I'm like, I'm in survival mode. And if our listeners um, listen to the episode that came out on... um, spiritual warfare, they'll understand that you and I kind of had a rough two weeks, right? In our, in our lives. Mm -hmm. And as I was starting to come out of that, it was the, it was at this moment I was having this bath and I kind of realized that I was in survival mode. And then I thought, this doesn't have to be a bad thing. And I texted you immediately. I got out of the bath. I still had my towel on. And I was like, I need to talk to Michelle, to podcast wife. <clears throat> and <laughs> and you, you called me immediately. And I'm hyper as usual. And I'm like, Michelle, Michelle, like, we got to talk about this. And you're like, okay. So the thing is, what we kind of realized is that mm-hmm. we've always looked at survival mode as being, what were we saying? Kind of like, the last resort, right? Bottom of the barrel. Right. You kind of like slip into it. You've given up. It's that kind of right. thing, right? But we realized it doesn't have to be that. Yeah. That survival mode can actually be an empowering thing, um, not a defeatist thing, yeah, right? Yeah. You're not conceding defeat. Um, and we actually likened it to this concept of retreating, right? So mm-hmm. if we're piggybacking off of last week's topic where we talked about spiritual warfare and battling it out, um, you know, the concept of retreating is it's not passive in warfare. It was not waving the white flag. You haven't given up. Right. Uh, you. It's an actionable item. So when you retreat, you're regrouping for the next round. There's yeah. There are tasks still needing to be done that just can't happen in open, 
in the open air, <laughs> right? right? So you have to regroup. And so we were kind of throwing around this idea that that's essentially what survival mode is, is that when life just becomes a little bit too much for you to handle and you need to regroup, you retreat. And that's not only a good thing, but it's a very normal and a very natural thing. And it isn't just a retreat, like it's a beneficial time for winning the battle. Like you can dress the soldiers wounds, you can feed everybody, people can get rest, they can read their letters from home. Like it's a deliberate action that will help everybody get fired up and ready to go back into battle. And I think that for so long, whenever, especially in the motherhood community, when we talk about survival mode, I think we confuse it with surrendering, which is what you were saying Mm -hmm. with the white flag, right? And again, even surrendering can go into other things. I think that there are moments, especially in motherhood, where you do surrender, where you do just give right. in to whatever it is. And that's a good thing. But we're talking about like the surrendering where you've totally lost control. <laughs> like You've just <laughs> given up. All hypothetical. Like we've right, never been there before. <laughs> no, no. And this is, I think, what we've equated with survival mode. But what we want to do is propose something radical to you guys. What we're thinking is that if you were to sit down with your spouse and your kids and you were to say, okay, if our family goes into quote survival mode, what does mm-hmm. this look like for us? And then we want you to take this conversation further. Talk to your own parents, to your siblings, to your closest friends, all identify what that looks like in your houses. What I would love to see is that we would get to the point where we could just say to somebody close to us, you know what, we're in survival mode right now. I'll see you on the other side. And mm-hmm. I think that if we were to have in a time of calm already identified what that means, we don't have to say anything more. We don't have to say anything less. You're not hurting anybody's feelings if you have to retreat a little bit. Because I think we all know that if sometimes we have to retreat in the middle of pure chaos, sometimes we can hurt or affect everybody around us because they don't understand what's going on and we just don't have the energy to stop and explain it. So if this was something that was identified and discussed ahead of time, I think that when these moments happen, and they do a lot, we could just say to the people we're closest to, this is what's happening right now in our family. We're in survival mode, and uh, we'll talk to you in a a couple days or in a week. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps other people, too, because ultimately you know, people are good people. And -hmm. if you tell somebody, especially someone close to you, like we're just in survival (laughs) mode right now. I know for me, if, if a friend says that to me, my immediate thought is, are you okay? Like, what can I do? I kind of panic a little bit because I think, am I putting anything extra on you? Like, are you okay? Are you telling me this because I'm doing something or um, I need to step it up? And often if you're in survival mode, you just kind of uh, need to disconnect for a little yeah. while. And, yep. and like you're saying, it's nothing personal. So to have that conversation uh, beforehand, it kind of, it, it takes the edge off on multiple fronts and not just even for your family, but even as a courtesy to other people too, they know that you know that everyone's good. That's right. Because people do care. It's coming from a place of caring. Mm-hmm. And so I think like you're exactly like what you're saying, if we were to outline what survival mode looks like in our families and say it to them um, in a different way, kind of package it up in this new way that that's all we have to say when it happens. And then as a good friend or family member, you can help them in whatever ways they need actual help. And for some people, that's just, you know, staying away <laughs> for a week mm-hmm. or so because they're only pouring the all of the energy that they have left into their 
into their spouse and into their children, or it's just leaving, you know, some donuts on the front porch for them or that sort of thing. And this is what we'll talk about in a minute with some tips for how to like survive your own survival mode and help other people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know, what's so funny is um, the very first thing I think we need to do when we talk about survival mode is to kind of look into what it is physically and like psychologically so that it's not like three days in already right and we realize in retrospect oh that's what's been happening already you know the goal could be even to say we can see it ramping up already yes yes and so we can prepare a little bit we can steal ourselves a little bit beforehand so some of the some of the ways you know you're in survival mode what are some of those things I think the first thing is that the stress just becomes overwhelming, right? We all have Mm -hmm. a lot of stress in our lives. It's normal, but it gets to the point where it's just piled on top of like stress on top of stress on top of stress. And you're just not able to think straight. You can't plan Mm -hmm. for the next 24 hours. You can't even think to the end of the week. Like it's just too much. And you try to tell yourself to calm down. You do a few of your little techniques, um, you know, whether it's a hot bath or any of those things, and those aren't working either. And you stopped feeling joyful. And I think the key is that you and I kept talking about is that you are in a place now where you are reacting, where you're only reactive and you're unable to be proactive at that time. I think that's the the number one thing about when you're in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I think we were reading the same, um, some of the <laughs> <Probably>. same articles. <laughs> There's a lot of overlap, which is good, which means mm-hmm. the consensus is um, pretty common that this these are telltale signs yeah. of entering into survival mode. Um, it, that feeling of having your back up against the wall, mm-hmm. right? And not having anywhere else to go. You feel trapped under your own obligations and your own to-do list. And one thing that I really like that really stuck out to me is that everything is risky. Mm. Like when you get to a point where there is no margin for error yeah, and that everything matters way too much, but at the same time, um, you're forced to concede in a way that everything is good enough. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh my gosh, I do that all the time. Like um, if you're wrapping an irregularly shaped present and it's like, well, good enough. <laughs> or trying to style my hair for an event good enough. And then you just Mm -hmm. have to leave, right? Or take family pictures. Fine, fine. It's good enough. Um, When you get to that stage where everything is just like you're caught in this battle between perfectionism, but also uh, like, I can't do anything right. Yeah. uh, That is stress in and of itself. But these are all signs that you're probably reaching a limit and you should pause and take stock. And being in that place really affects me. That is one of the things I think most affects me. Um, I'm good and really high stress or really chilled out, but it's that middle ground. Like we're talking about where just Mm. the good enough, Mm. I'm not good in the good enough realm. I don't like giving 70% to everything. And that's like what you're saying starts to happen in survival mode. And that's because you can't, you literally can't complete anything at that time. And so This is, I love what you said about catching it before it happens. I mean, we have calendars. I don't use my calendar. You know how many times (laughs) I've tried to use planners? We've talked about this before. But if I did use a planner, I could see how like next week might get really busy, right? With everything written Mm -hmm. on it. So it shouldn't come as a surprise to me that we might end up in survival mode by next Saturday. And so this I find to be incredibly empowering. So what we were saying is that when you look at, when you looked at survival mode before as like the waving of the white flag and giving up, 
When you look at it this way, it's incredibly empowering and you can take back control of the situation and you can be ready to handle these things when they happen. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what did you, I know your family kind of has a few things that you did, even if you didn't notice it at first, Yeah. yeah. Um, but you kind of already have this arsenal in, in place of what you guys do for survival mode. I'm super interested in, in that because I don't yeah. have <laughs> a really great arsenal. <laughs> yes. What I didn't realize until we were, again, a couple days deep into it is that I was in survival mode last week and I was already doing actions that we have kind of worked on and refined over the years without it ever being deliberate or intentional. <laughs> so oh, what I didn't yes. know is that Jason and I, and again, guys, we've been together for pretty much 20 years. So we're a long time into this. We know how each other works. We know what works for our family. And so a couple of days ago, we started doing these things, Jason and I together and separately. And it was only after several of these things that I realized that we were doing our survival mode things and we were already feeling better doing these things. So some of the things that we do, and this is the first thing we do is we put a wall around our family. And Mm. I think that this is really important because when we talk about building a wall, (laughs) yes, (laughs) it's the immediate thought is that you're keeping people out. And the way we look at it is that we're protecting who's inside. So it's not about you on the other side of the wall at this time when we're in survival mode. So there, and then we do several walls. So we do a wall around our family and then I put Mm -hmm. a wall around my marriage and then I put a little wall around myself too. Like I, I immediately acknowledge these boundaries. And because Jason and my kids have to be the most important people during that mode that when we're into that, that feeling. Right. And Mm -hmm. this is again, where it's really important that if we'd had these conversations with those people that love us the most before you hit this mode, um, they would understand that you're not blocking them out. You're just saying, you know what? I don't have any extra energy to give you the the respect and love that you deserve right now. So just, you know, we got to check out for a little bit, but we'll come back to you. Um, I just have to pour my energy and love into my husband and kids right now. Yeah. The idea of a wall, I love what you said, that it's not necessarily keeping something out. It's when you, when you know and when you recognize that you have something precious inside that is yeah. worthy of protection, right? Um, and that could very easily be stolen or damaged um, if left out in the open. So mm-hmm. I really love that. I really love that changed perspective on what a wall yeah. says and what it symbolizes. That's so good. And sometimes when we put up the wall, the next thing we do is we cancel things. And I always thought about, again, this as being uh, a sign of weakness, like we couldn't handle it all. So then I'm canceling things and I'm letting people down. But it was this change in perspective I had this time around where I'm like, no, again, I'm not canceling things to um, to get out of something with somebody else. I'm canceling it because I have to put into my family. I can't do both right now. And so if I'm not going to seriously screw up something, right, somebody's plans and they're really <laughs> counting on me. That which can be canceled, we cancel. And we had this moment at the grocery store last Friday night, and we were supposed to be at a family catechism event on Saturday morning. And we were looking at each other and we were stressing because we we're like, well, what snacks are we going to bring? Like, do I have to bake cookies? You know, we're doing all that. And then Jason and I looked at each other and I went, can we just not go? And he went, yes, we don't have to go. And then it was like that immediate weight lifted off us. And then it Mm. became, okay, let's make a nice dinner for ourselves. What do, what are we going to do? It freed up this whole day for our family. Mm. So it wasn't that we didn't want to be at catechism. It wasn't even that that's not an important thing to us. It is an important thing to us, but that 
free, that freedom and that feeling that came from making the decision to put our family first healed already so much of the, I don't want to say wounds because it wasn't really wounds, but that, that feeling we were having over the last two weeks of pure stress. Yeah, I totally hear you about canceling plans. Um, I wish that that was an option for our family. Mm. <laughs> for our family, we a lot of our commitments, especially this time of year, are things that I just can't drop or right. back out of. You know, they're family birthdays, uh, like my own children's birthdays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't bail on those. Um, or, for example, last year I ran our parish's Christmas pageant. Yeah. And it's hard to back out of that in the second week of December. Like <laughs> you, you can't do that. Uh, but what I've noticed for me, I can back out of the noisy parts of my life that's taking up this extra clutter space in my head. And I notice that that manifests itself by instinctively backing away from social media. Mm, yes. um, when I'm at this point, my posts... Uh, become non-existent yeah. <laughs> um other people's posts start blurring together like I don't know if you ever get to the point where you're scrolling and I'm like I literally could not tell you any one particular post that I've seen or right. look at and then I know that I'm actually just trying to escape and that it's not even a good escape so <laughs> um, I have to put it down but that's my way of backing out that's my way of putting up a wall so that's an option too if if like me um you really can't back out right now. There are other times of the year where it's easier for me to do that. But I know for Christmas, it's really hit or miss, like what you can cancel. And I think that you just made a really good point because you didn't sign up to run the Christmas pageant this year, right? That's right. Yeah. So I think that you can look at this year and go, okay, take it as a learning experience and think, what are we going to do different next year? Um, Mm right? We don't have to sign up for all the same. So if you can't cancel things this year, just then take that information and think, what am I not going to sign up for then in the future? So we don't get into this point, um, you know, point of our lives again. And again, that's being proactive and and instead of just reactive. Another thing, and this kind of leads into that is, is making a priority list. And so if there are things you can't get out of, and I know it's really hard to do this when your brain is just not in it, but you can keep it super simple. And sometimes I put the most basic things on it, like make the beds, like, because Mm -hmm. there is that feeling of uh, accomplishment when you just check off a list, no matter what's on that list. And I found that doing that very simply with only a few points just kind of gets my, you know, brain working again and starts pushing me forward to kind of get out of survival mode. So it's really important to sit down. You can do that with your husband. Um, but I just do that on my own. And yeah, you're, you're a big fan of lists too, aren't you? I do. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was having this conversation with my dad on the weekend and he's like, you know what I like to do, Michelle? I like to make a list. And mm. I picked up my, um, my planner and I was like, like this, <laughs> like every day's list. So obviously I get it from my dad. Um, <laughs> but I hear what you're saying, like kind of relax a little bit on the principles, yeah. right? So n- normally things that our family really tries to limit or, um, you know, have locked down, uh, I tend to be more relaxed on them, like yeah. eating uh, dinners, yes. right? But usually we, I love to cook dinner. Yeah. Um, but in survival mode, it might be picky dinner. I call yeah. it picky dinner, but that's just code for, I'm going to open the fridge and the pantry and whatever I can take a lid off and put it on the table. That's it's picky love- dinner. <laughs> in our house, it's called fend for yourself night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
really real and uh, just fine options for dinner. And you know what makes me so mad sometimes is that mm. everyone's really happy with picky <laughs> <know>. dinners. <laughs> they seem really impressed by it. And I was like, why do I, what am I doing the rest of the time? But anyways, um, yeah. screen time is another thing, right? Relax. Uh, I relax on yeah. our screen time. Um, usually I, I like to limit it. Um, I know that it's healthy too, but also uh, I know that my kids turn into gremlins for some reason if they have too much screen time normally. Or but water after midnight, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> gremlins. That's right. Um, but, you know, if I'm in survival mode and I need some time to sit down and quiet, I will put on more TV than usual. <laughs> Heck yeah, you <laughs> and will. And I will that's too. Okay. It's mm-hmm. totally fine. So I think the very last thing that we should talk about is how when we're in survival mode, and again, as moms, I think we tend to try to martyr ourselves and take all like the burden of the survival mode on our own backs. But that's not, again, serving anybody because our family's just feeling the brunt of us carrying the weight of it on our backs. And so we're all kind of in it together. And if the point is to have our family come out of this stronger, right, every time we go into Mm -hmm. this mode to come out stronger and healthier and happier, um, I think it's really important to involve then the kids and your husband in this discussion. And so I think in a time of calm, again, not in the middle of it, sit down with your kids and your husband and say, okay, like, what are the things we really enjoy as a family? Is it Friday night movie night like you guys do? Is it a drive and getting hot chocolate? Like what are the things that are simple that don't add to the stress that are affordable and that, you know, dad and mom can kind of whip up last minute that we all really find great comfort in and then have that list ready. And then so when you're all in this as a family, you can all come together and, and pull one of these things out of a jar, like literally have them in a jar if you want. And that you're really taking into consideration things that will also be pleasing to your children and to your husband. Um, it's, it's If that's the point of this is that you put the wall around that, which is precious, then they get a say in that too. And this is about coming out of this as a stronger, happier family. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So, Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? I can't give you any spoilers because you're uh, a fan of this show as well, but I am loving the latest season of The Crown. So, have you watched I any knew of you it? Were gonna do it? Oh, did you? <laughs> That's why I picked something different. I've been waiting for it every week. Uh, have you watched yes. it? Yes, the first three oh. episodes. Okay, what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, I not to usurp your what you're loving this week, That's but okay. I love it. Like I, yeah. I've always loved that show. Yeah. Um, it's it's another so far. It's it's another home run for me. Mm-hmm. So apparently they spent like a hundred million dollars on this season, which is insane. Whoa. But um, it's very evident. Like what I'm noticing more so in this season is every shot and I'm not an art director or a, you know, a movie producer, but every mm-hmm. shot is set up like a painting. Like it's so visually stunning to sit mm-hmm. and watch, right? Like just the way the camera moves. It's incredible. I still feel like Olivia Coleman is the Olivia Coleman you get in broad church. <laughs> like she's, <laughs> she's good as the queen. Yes. I really, she really is. But 
she's still Olivia Coleman. So it's it's interesting. Right. But I, overall, it's just incredible. Uh, Princess Anne is my standout favorite character so far. She is mm-hmm. outstanding in it. And so I'm just really loving it. Now, just to tie this in, my thing I was loving last week was the History Chicks podcast. They have a second podcast called the, I can't even say it, the Recapery, where they recap TV Ooh. shows. <laughs> I haven't the listened recapery. to it yet. The Recapery. <laughs> yes. And they do the crown. They're really big into the crown. So I'm going oh. to finish this. We only have last episode is tonight and for us. And then I'm going to check out the podcast episodes to listen to what they have to say about it. But I still have friends out there who've never watched season one. So people <gasps> come, on, come on the crown. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's the perfect survival mode. Yes. Um, TV show. Yeah, it really is. It's just a beautiful show. Um, so Michelle, what are you loving this week? So I am about halfway through another book. Um, this one is called Last Christmas in Paris. Um, and I really like it. I I went into it not knowing much about it at all. It was recommended on another list. And so I just put things on hold at the library and I kind of forget that they're there. Mm-hmm. So this one came in and I was surprised to see that it's another novel that's written in the style of letters, mm-hmm. in the style of correspondence. So for fans of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, mm-hmm. that novel, it's very similar in style to that, uh, even to the point where it takes place during wartime. Um, so this one's in World War One, uh, which is very interesting. And it uh, it starts out as this correspondence between a, a girl and her older brother who enlists. And she also promises to write to his best friend who enlisted with him because he's an only child. Um, so it, this correspondence goes back and forth. It has another one of her girlfriends sending letters every once in a while. And it amazes me that that style holds my interest. I didn't think that it really would, but it's amazing how much of a storyline and a plot you can develop through correspondence. And uh, it's a really delightful read. It's nothing, nothing too heavy for being a war novel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not like um, uh, The Nightingale or All the Light We Cannot See. It's not of that ilk, but it, it really is an enjoyable read. And it takes place at Christmas time. So it's very atmospheric if you're looking for something this time of year. And uh, yeah, just a lovely read, Last Christmas in Paris. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. And if you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time.